Welcome back to the Ready for Retirement podcast. My name is Ari Taubleib, and I am guest hosting this episode, which is the third and final episode of a three-part early retirement series. The regular host, James Canole, and the founder of Root Financial will be back hosting after this episode. As a reminder, my name is Ari Taubleib, and I am the vice president here at Root Financial Partners and the host of the Early Retirement Podcast. Now, today's episode is once again, that third and final episode, and I'm going to be specifically talking about where you should pull income from first when it comes to retirement, specifically in early retirement. Now, you may be wondering, okay, I've got Roth IRAs and 401ks and IRAs, and I've heard you talk about all these different types of accounts. What's the best account to pull from when I retire early? And especially over the course of my retirement, I don't want to pay a dime more in taxes than I need to, and I want to make sure I'm maximizing my investments. What should I do? That's exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. The host of this podcast, James Canole, will be back shortly after these three episodes where we focus on an early retirement. Now let's get back to the episode. As a kind reminder, you can always look in the description of today's episode for more information such as our YouTube links, as well as where you can reach out to work with us. Now, without further ado, let's hop into today's episode, and I'm going to come in here and assume that you've heard either James or myself or other advisors talk about the best things to consider before you retire. Now, that very well may be determining your retirement expenses. It might be outlining what your perfect retirement day looks like. Maybe you say, you know what, Ari, I've just been putting off so many hobbies. I can't wait to do them. And then you start doing them and you go, okay, that's not taking up the whole day. Is this really what I want to spend my time in retirement? Or maybe you've been working for so long, you just can't wait for freedom, freedom to travel, freedom to spend more time with family. These are important things that you need to make sure you are considering and thinking about before you retire so you're fully confident. Now, you don't need to have it all figured out. Many people think you need to, but I can assure you, you don't and no one ever does. What you do need to do is think about what are the main things I want to make sure happens in my retirement and do I have the assets to make it happen? Now, before the Ari geek, Ari nerd side really comes out here and starts going through an example, which you know we're all about here at Root, I have to make sure that you understand a few very important things, which is number one, if you see an article somewhere that says you need a million dollars to retire or two million or five million or maybe even 10 million, they're all wrong. And here's why you might need a million, you might need five million, you might need 10 million. Or you might need $0 in your portfolio. And some of you going, okay, Ari, nice of you to say, but the reality is um, I need more than $0. And I can tell you right now, I have clients who don't have a dollar in their portfolio and they're retired and, and they're living their best life. Well, how is that? They have a very healthy pension and they have social security and they have rental income. So it's not as if all of this has to happen in a 401k or an IRA or a brokerage account or a Roth IRA. And at the same time, for some people, 10 million might not be enough because maybe you want to spend a million dollars every single year and you don't want to invest. And now all of a sudden, it's not so comfortable. And so when it comes to retirement, there's not a perfect formula. It truly is an art and a science. But when we look at retirement planning, when I specifically build plans for my clients, I have to let them know that it's not as if there's a magic number that's going to allow you to retire and feel 100% confident. What allows you to feel confident is a strategy, a strategy that shows you do have the ability to meet your income needs. But not only that, 
showing you what are the different thresholds. What's the minimum that you could spend and never run the risk of running out of money? And what's the maximum? Because if you do spend that minimum, you very well may be fine financially. In fact, I'd be confident you would be fine financially, but that's not the real risk here. The real risk is that you could have taken more trips while you are here. You could have gifted while you are here. You could have done more things while you are here and you didn't and therefore you passed away with X number of dollars and that's fine if that's your legacy goals. In fact, if you do have specific legacy goals where you want to leave X number of dollars to children or to a charity or for a future scholarship or whatever that is for you, that's wonderful, but make sure that you are absolutely taking care of yourself as well. It's really a common example, but do we fill up that glass of water first and then fill up everyone else's as we're able to? So a very basic example there, of course, but always want to outline that first. It's always about our lives and then how do we fulfill money? How do we use it to best get the most out of our lives? So now let's hop right in. Where do you pull income from first? Well, I think examples are the best way to illustrate this. Now, I I hope that this does resonate with you in the sense of you go, okay, I have social security coming up and maybe I have non-portfolio income sources like a pension or rental income or an annuity or some of these things. But once again, if you want this tailored to you specifically, please always reach out to us or another advisor that resonates with you or at least seems to resonate. So let's hop right in. Where do you pull income from first? Well, here's what I ask my clients first. I go, okay, if you're retiring and you're retiring early, which once again, any time before age 65, well, let's pretend that you're retiring at, I don't know, let's say 62. Well, if you're retiring at age 62, wonderful, Are there going to be any other income sources? That's my first question. Meaning, is your spouse working? Are you planning on any other part-time income? Or are you saying, you know what, Ari, I've worked hard. I've listened to the podcast. I've got a sense. I'm on track. I don't want to work another day than I need to. Great, if that's you. That very well may be you, and then a year later you change your mind, which is allowed, by the way. You're not marrying anything when you do financial planning. You are saying, can I take a dynamic approach to all of this? So that's number one. Number two is, okay, if we have a sense of what potential non-portfolio income sources there are, which once again, that's your spouse working, that's maybe social security, maybe that's rental income, annuity income, a pension, that's what we need to understand first because we need to know how much of your expenses once you retire are covered by these fixed income sources. These income sources that some of which may be forever, such as social security, Others, like rental income or annuities, maybe these stop at some point based off of certain circumstances. So the difference between your total expenses and your fixed income sources, that's what we need to come from our portfolio. Simple enough. So the first step is understand what expenses will look like in retirement. Now, the example I'm going to use is the following. How much income needs to come from our portfolio? That's what a lot of you may be wondering. And then what account do we use? Trust me, I'm going to get into it. I love this stuff. So... Here's the example. Let's suppose that you need $120,000 a year. Now, I'm going to stop there. Some of you might be going, Ari, are you including taxes? What about inflation? I factor all of that in when I do any of my examples. So we're assuming that you want $120,000 every single year adjusted for inflation after taxes. And I can already hear some of you (laughs) maybe thinking, 
Ari, that's great, but maybe I, I want a little bit more for travel in the first few years, and maybe there's less in the latter years, but then I am going to have medical expenses, and what if there's more left over? What if I want to gift those? These are all the different questions and considerations and the nuance that creates an amazing plan that reflects your goals, so I'm not going to get into every single specific of that I just listed, or else this would be a three-hour podcast, and if I don't want you falling asleep. So, Back to the example here. Suppose you need $120,000 a year. If this is the total income you want to generate, I'm going to assume right now that you retire at 62, but that your spouse doesn't. Your spouse keeps working until 65, and you guys are the same age in this example. So now your spouse, I'm going to say, is bringing in $80,000 gross through their work. So that tells me you want $120,000 a year. 80000 is coming from your spouse, which means $40,000, that's what needs to come from the portfolio so you can meet your living expenses. Fairly simple, straightforward so far. That's my goal is always keeping it simple. Well, my next question is, will there be part-time income? So are you going to work a little bit? Because if you want to bring $20,000 in a year, that's wonderful. Is that going to help us with health insurance? Is that going to help us by creating more fulfillment, let's pretend that there's none of that and that you are covered with health insurance by your spouse and you go, Ari, I just want to spend time golfing and traveling and once my wife retires when she's happy or my spouse or my partner, she's going to be joining me. Well, that's great. So let's stick with this example here. Now, the only thing we need is we need this $40,000. How do we best get it and what's the smartest way to think about this? Now, there's a few things that oftentimes I'm asked and here are what they say. They'll say, Ari, um, what if I'm retiring before 62? You talk about an early retirement. What if I'm retiring at 55? What about that rule of 55? Should I use that? Well, I don't want to do a whole episode on this, but please know that with the rule of 55, here's what it means. It means that if you want to use this rule, you can withdraw funds from your 401k, and there's no penalty if you take the funds out before 59 and a half. If you were to take funds from a 401k before 59 and a half and you weren't using this rule, you would be paying a 10% penalty. So now please know this does not apply to IRAs or Roth IRAs, but you still do pay taxes with this rule of 55. It's not as if the 401k gets around that part, but you're getting around the penalty from pulling early. Now, I don't often recommend doing this, and in fact, this doesn't even apply to all 401ks. But to use this rule, you must leave your position of employment in or after the year you turn 55. The money must remain in the plan, and if you roll any of these funds into an IRA, you lose all of the protection on that penalty piece with the rule of 55. So that's one option if you want to pull income early. I don't often recommend it, though, and I'll explain why in a moment. Another often asked question here, uh, or should I say commonly asked, is Rule 72T. Now, what this is, is this is another way to create income, call it early in retirement, if you will. Now, all withdrawals from a 72T distribution, these are taxable, same thing like that Rule of 55, but you're avoiding the 10% early withdrawal penalty. Now, you don't need to be with an employer for this one, so you might be going, Ari, this is sounding attractive. Well, what my first question always is, how does this impact your overall tax strategy? Because if we're pulling from this, that example I shared in the previous episode where I talked about Roth conversions and when do they make most sense to do it and when does it not make most sense to do it, 
We want to keep our income oftentimes very low in retirement, and by pulling from an IRA, well, that's raising our income. So that can often defeat the purpose, but let's assume that's not the case here. And you say, Ari, I don't want to talk about tax strategy, um, which wouldn't make me very happy, but if that was you for any reason, the 72T distribution, there's a lot of nuance to it, which I won't fully go through in today's episode, but the key is that you have to take five substantially equal periodic payments. Now, there's a lot more to it, like I said, but the overall message here is that if you miss one payment, you'll owe early withdrawal penalties on all the funds you've taken out. So if you were to use this rule, you must take one installment every single year until 59 and a half or after five years. Now, off, the reality is to me, this is a last resort and something I don't recommend the majority of the time. But there are certain circumstances where I do see value in it. But more often than not, these rules or these tactics, if you will, rule of 55 or 72T distribution, these can be great, but oftentimes people will use them because it's just different and it, it feels almost fancy and like a cool technique where they're beating the system where oftentimes it's actually not helping you. And so they are there to to serve a purpose, but more often than not, if I'm looking at an overall plan and saying, hey, what makes most financial sense? I'm often not utilizing these techniques. Now, if we don't have any other assets and we need income and we want to retire early, okay, yeah, it could play a role oftentimes, but brokerage accounts, Roth IRAs, IRAs, the way we use these have to be in conjunction with your overall financial plan. And as opposed to saying, yes, it makes sense um, at this age or no, it doesn't make sense when you want this amount of income, it doesn't give us the whole story. So these can never be made in a vacuum. Now, a quick tangent here, I say tangent, but really I mean story before I'm going to get into the, the real nitty gritty, the real fun of today's podcast of what accounts make most sense to pull from and why is when it comes to looking at all these different tools and in, in ways of financial planning instruments, there's something known as vacuum planning. Now, what I mean by vacuum planning is, yes, and when I say vacuum, literally think of almost a Dyson, if you will. Now, I do have a lot of clients who love their Dyson, so by me even saying that, I might get a few emails after this, but uh, regardless, let's talk about why I brought this up. The reason I bring this up is because a lot of advisors and people in the financial industry will all of a sudden make an investment recommendation to you or an estate planning recommendation to you or maybe a tax recommendation to you. And it very well may be a good recommendation, but how does it impact your tax situation if it's an investment decision? On the other hand, how does it impact your investment decision if we're not considering the tax impact? So when I say vacuum planning, what I mean is you don't want to make any decision when it comes to your finances in a vacuum where you're saying, great, here's the tax impact. Let me just look at that side. No, we need to make sure that impacts our investments a certain way and how that's going to impact our estate plan and our withdrawal strategy and how we most effectively create income in retirement and future legacy goals. And you can see all of these connect. So you might often hear me joke, I'm anti-vacuum planning because I make every decision holistically. It's a 360 degree approach at Root Financial. So that just needs to be clear as I see it. That allows me to sleep at night, that you all know that. Now let's hop back into the episode about different accounts and where you need to pull from. So taxation-wise, let's pretend you're retired early. Once again, you're 62. You need $40,000 to come from other somewhere, I'll even call it, whether that be a portfolio or inheritance or a plane drops you some cash. You need some income to be able to meet your $120,000 
of of it living expenses, excuse me, adjusted for inflation after taxes. So now let's suppose that you have a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA, and a taxable account, and you're going, where should I pull from first? Well, let's summarize each quickly, and then I'll explain why I would pick one over the other. A Roth IRA is tax-free for the rest of your life. Kudos to you for putting these dollars in because they're growing tax-free forever, and you don't have to worry about RMDs. Now, you don't have to worry about them, but your children will have RMDs on these assets should they inherit them. Now, this is the account that I would say, hey, if we can, let's touch this last because all of the growth that compounds is tax-free forever. A very basic example here, but there's something known as the rule of 72. And what that says is this is how often your money will double given a certain rate of return. And so it says if you had a rate of return of 7.2%, it would take you 10 years for that money to double. So if you have $100,000, it's 10 years until it's 200, then 400, then 800, then 1.6, then 3.2. And you can see from that basic example there, the Roth IRA power is really in the latter years. It's not in the earlier years. If we knew we only had a certain amount of time on this planet, I guess we all do, but if you know what I mean, if we knew exactly when we would pass away, well, we could very easily go, hey, maybe it makes more sense to do pre-tax because we can take the deduction today and it would take this amount of time to reap the full benefits of the Roth anyway, but we don't. And so because of that, more often than not, the Roth account, I prefer because it's that tax insurance. It's that idea that we don't know where taxes will be in the future. We don't know what bracket will exactly be in the future. And so can we protect against that by having this Roth account? So this is tax-free forever. The next account is an IRA or a 401k or a SEP IRA, which are all taxed the exact same. These are tax deferred, but they're taxed once you withdraw the assets. So these are more tax favorable than a brokerage account, but you do owe taxes on them once you withdraw the funds. So for many of my clients, they have IRAs and they're withdrawing income from these to live off of, which is great. And then we talk and say, great, based off of how much income you're trying to live off of, should we do a conversion? Or should we wait a year to take that one trip you're so excited about? Because here's the tax bracket that we're projected to be in, and it makes more sense to wait a year. These are all the decisions that we ask clients to inform us about so we can run the financial numbers. It's almost like having a CFO of of your family. The only difference here is our business is your family, and our goal is to optimize your time. So having us is almost like having a CFO. Now, back to the example here, Roth IRAs, IRAs, and then taxable account. That's the third account here that I want to highlight. This is not a qualified account, and the capital gains are fully taxable if you're not doing any specific tax planning. So if there are any short-term capital gains in your taxable account, which once again, a very fancy name for joint account or brokerage account. Um, They all mean the same exact thing. And so as you put dollars into those, you don't get any tax benefit today. What you do receive is the ability to withdraw assets. Yes, you pay taxes on any gains, depending on what tax bracket you're in, which I talked about in the previous episode about creating tax-free income. And so this can be a wonderful tool, especially if you are retiring early. Social security hasn't started. Maybe a pension hasn't started quite yet. And now all of a sudden you are in a wonderful position to live off of this brokerage account, which keeps your income very low. When you take income from an IRA, you are realizing income that counts. Now it's not earned income. You can't just turn around and put that into a Roth IRA as a contribution, but it's still income that's on your tax return as income. 
Now, with a taxable account, when you withdraw funds, that is not income. So this can be the best account to withdraw on earlier in retirement to maximize the growth of all of your other tax-free or tax-deferred accounts. So now let's fast forward a little bit. Let's assume that now you are 65 and your spouse is 65 and she stopped working. So now at this point, you're going, oh my gosh, where on earth are we going to create income? My spouse stopped working. Um, I did some research and uh, Social Security. I know I can take it at 62 or full retirement age or 70. And I, I don't know what to do. Where do I even start with this? Well, we're going to fast forward. And once again, you're no longer 62. You're now 65. And I'm going to assume that you have Social Security. And I'm also going to assume that there's a pension there. And leave the tax aspect out of it for just a moment to best illustrate this, which is I'm now going to assume that your pension and your Social Security are both $40,000. Now, I'm going to assume that your spouse did not collect Social Security. So only you, and it's bringing in exactly $40,000 a year, which I can tell you it's likely not that. And especially at 65, it would be less than that. Just going off of earnings rates, but for illustration purposes, let's assume there's 40000 there and another 40000 coming from a pension. So now you have 80000 It's almost like your spouse's income was replaced by Social Security and by a pension. And so now we still need that $40,000. And now you're 65 going, okay, should I pull from my IRA or my Roth IRA or my brokerage account? And now we know that your spouse says, you know what, I want to start collecting at full retirement age. And let's pretend that for her, that is 66 and 10 months. Now, I don't know exactly when that will be, but we've got a year and 10 months until she's going to start collecting in this example. And so if we're looking at that, what this tells me as a planner is we need this income $40,000 to come from somewhere. Now, I would recommend pulling from a taxable account, a brokerage account, or a joint account, which once again, all mean the same thing, if you have the ability to do so. So for many people that reach out to me early on and they go, Ari, what can I do to put myself in the best position possible? I'll recommend a brokerage account oftentimes. And they'll go, Ari, that's dumb. You know, I don't even get a deduction for that today. Why would I do that? And you're telling, I heard you talk about Roths in a different episode. I don't even get tax-free growth. Why would I do that? Well, you're intentionally giving up these tax benefits to keep income really low during these years before uh, a second Social Security benefit may begin or before a, an additional pension or before maybe an annuity begins. So the goal here is how do we keep income as low as possible up until we are taking Social Security and the big and here is before those RMDs begin, because once those RMDs begin, there's not a whole lot of planning we can do. And so if we fast forward a little bit, staying with the same example here is if you need $40,000 a year and you had that all in savings, that would appear to be the best option. And when I say savings, that could literally be cash savings. That could be a brokerage account, getting a little bit of interest for you, investing it and in not fully for growth, but a little bit more interest than maybe you would get with a CD or with another money market instrument. But now let's assume that your 401k or your IRA, which you're not pulling from, Let's assume that's growing, and let's assume today it's worth $2 million, and remember, you're 65, but when you reach age 73, let's assume that that's when your RMDs begin, and you get good growth on these dollars, and now let's pretend that now that $2 million has grown and grown and grown, and eight years later, it's now $3.5 million. Well, if that's the case, because you've been getting some wonderful growth you're forced to start these RMDs, which is out about 3.8%, and that comes out to $133,000 a year. Now, you're hearing that, and you might go, that's amazing, Ari. 
Well, I would argue the opposite, and here's why. And some of you may be catching along here, which is you told me you need $120,000 a year. Now you're going to be required to take out $133,000 a year. Plus, we're now going to have two Social Security benefits, and now let's just assume that that's coming in. Plus, we have a pension. Well, now we're likely in $200,000 plus. What does that mean? It means we're in a very high tax bracket. And so now I don't want you paying any more in taxes than we need to. So these are the things to be mindful of when it comes to creating income is how do we avoid massive required minimum distributions in the future? Many people who reach out to us, they've done a good job. You've probably done a great job saving and investing. And now I don't want you paying any more in tax than you need to. You need to understand taxation around social security and when you should begin social security. It's often that you hear people say, should I delay Social Security because that benefit keeps going up? It's not often that you hear people saying, should I delay collecting from my 401k or my IRA, which can often be a very powerful decision. Because if you do delay that, now your portfolio keeps growing, it keeps compounding, now put some part-time income on top of that, and now all of a sudden you're going, oh my gosh, the more I can delay my portfolio the more that I have the ability to see what tax playing opportunities exist. I can keep my income lower. I can look at this and go, I can do Roth conversions. I can do a donor advised fund if charitable giving is important to you. There's all these different planning tools that can keep your taxable income low. So that's what we're thinking of. I'm always thinking of the tax piece. Now, the investment piece, very important. A lot of those assumptions there, I made it sound very easy. That $2 million would become $3.5 million in a short period of time, and that very well may not occur. But what will occur is if you're invested and you're invested well, you will get some growth. And so getting that necessary growth for your goals, that's one thing. But getting excess growth, that is now putting you in a position where now your heirs will be subject to significant taxes. Well, I'd rather see them avoid that. So an overall summary here is live off of cash to implement a tax strategy if you have the ability to do so. That can be cash, that can be money market assets, that can be in a brokerage account. A taxable account is not a qualified retirement account and capital gains are fully taxable in those accounts assuming that you're not doing any of those tax playing opportunities I talked about in the last episode. An IRA, once again, is more favorable on than a taxable account, but you do owe taxes when you withdraw the funds, and this creates income. A Roth IRA, this is the best account to reserve and not pull from until you need to, but a common misconception that I always bring up You can always pull out your contributions to a Roth IRA even before 59 and a half without any taxes and any penalties. It's only the earnings or converted dollars that we have to wait that five-year holding period on or until after 59 and a half. So that is it for today's episode on where should we withdraw income from if we're retiring early? How do we think about this? There is a whole lot to this, and I promise my my, my goal is to never overwhelm. If I'm overwhelming, I'm not doing my job right. And I often will tell clients, here's the tax strategy I recommend, and here's the investment approach. And they might go, Ari, it resonates with me, but I'm just not comfortable with that. And for whatever reason that may be, 
maybe it's a, hey, there's a stock that was inherited from a parent. And they say, hey, they know it makes most sense tax-wise to maybe make a sale there, but they just don't wish to. Or they go, you know what, Ari, um, I've heard you talk about the go-go years and you know the slow-go years, and I want to travel a whole lot more in my early years, but I know it's going to tailor off, but I'd love to be able to gift assets to children. Whatever these different goals are, this is what money's for, and it's helping you get the most out of it. The reason I bring up these examples now is if any client says, Ari, I understand the taxes and the investments and the estate approach, but it just doesn't sit well with me. I'm losing sleep over it. We're not doing it. The point of successful planning is to get the most life out of your dollars. And even we knew financially that it might yield a higher return, but it caused you to lose more sleep along the way or it caused more hesitancy. Well, that's defeating the purpose of planning. The purpose of planning, once again, get the most life out of your money. How do we do that? We do that by thinking of what's most important to us first and then bringing in the money afterwards, not the other way around, which so often people think, okay, Ari, recommend this investment or talk to me about this one tax strategy that I heard you say on an episode. Should I do that? Maybe you're at a dinner party and you'll go, you know, I heard my neighbor talk about that one investment. Should I get that? Well, if we don't know your neighbor's goals and what's most important to your neighbor, then absolutely not because we need to make sure that whatever you're buying is in alignment with what you're trying to create from your life. So this was the final episode of the three-part series where I talked about an early retirement. If you're looking for more information on an early retirement or if this resonates with you, you can always work with me by clicking in the description below and seeing what that looks like. You can also check out my YouTube channel and podcast for more early retirement topics. Now, if you've missed James Knoll's voice, just like I have from not getting him every single week on the podcast, he will be back on the next episode. So next Tuesday is when you will hear from James. I can assure you of that. And we can go back to hearing James' wonderful expertise on retirement planning and how he thinks about this. But whether it's James Knoll or myself or another advisor, which I'm sure you'll hear from in the future, Our goal here at Root is to make sure everyone gets the same experience, whether it's with me or with James or with other advisors that we have here at the firm. We want people to know that when they reach out, they are getting the same exact approach. Now, of course, it will be tailored differently because I have my own unique experiences and James has his and other advisors have theirs, but everyone's getting that seamless experience of what we view as successful planning. So that is it for today's episode, and that concludes the three-part series. I hope that this was helpful. If so, please kindly shoot us a note or leave a review that that was helpful, and feel free to check us out all over the web, different podcasts and YouTube um, channels, of course, and we will see you next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're looking to work with a financial advisor that cares deeply about helping you get the most out of life with your money, head over to our website at rootfinancialpartners.com and click start here. One of our advisors would love the opportunity to speak with you. You can also find the show notes for today's episode on our website, along with other great content that will help you to create a wonderful retirement. And finally, if you have a question that you'd like for me to answer in a future episode, then from our website, click on the learn tab. Scroll down just a bit on that page and then click submit a question to submit a question that I will answer in a future episode. Again, that can all be found at rootfinancialpartners.com. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.